0: All right, good evening, church. It's good to be in God's house tonight. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 to you take your Bible, and uh, thanks to Elvin for reading that scripture for us tonight, Luke chapter 17. And uh, was that Elvin that actually last time used somebody else's Bible or something? Is that how the story goes? So, is that him? Uh, okay, I thought it was him. Was that your Bible, bro? Okay, heard that funny. I wasn't here for I heard about it, so that's uh, it's pretty good. Luke chapter 17, I gave you a bit of an update on uh, what's happening out west. Thanks for praying uh, for the ministry and the family. And I uh, just came back from Mergen this morning. Uh, sorry, I came back from Morgan this afternoon. It's in Mergan this morning and uh, left yesterday. I uh, went to Nanango and uh, uh, did some work on a five-acre lot of land, just mowing and all that for a fella, And then had a birthday party to attend to that evening. And then we had a uh, service there in Mergen uh, this morning at 10 a.m., had some folks from Idesville Baptist Church come down and join us. Pastor Phil Hedger was there and a handful of people from there came down and join us. And that was a good uh, fellowship time and spent some time commemorating Anzac Day and so forth and had a great time of fellowship afterwards. Of course, we had uh, food left over from the party the day before, so we all had a feast afterwards again for, for lunchtime and then uh, headed back uh, home here this afternoon. And uh, I guess I'll give a little bit of review from the last couple weeks briefly uh, by the way, I just want to give you a shout out to the people there at Mergen. They're watching tonight, and uh, welcome. And folks in Eidsfold, and all those there are w- uh, watching live stream. Welcome tonight. And uh, going back to uh, Easter time, uh, about three weeks ago now, we are in Tarum. Had a fellow baptized uh, there at the Riverside in Tarum, and that was a great service there Easter. The next following week, we're in Mergen, and then uh, the next week after that, which is last week, we were at Eidsfold Baptist Church uh, there. Just being with Pastor Phil Hedger, trying to encourage him and, and be with the folks there. And, of course, Morgan uh, today. And then next week, I'll be down in New South Wales with brother Tom Gonderman and a handful of fellows down there. Uh, we're going to Glen Innes, uh, Inverell, and Gaira and doing some ministry work down those three towns. And so, uh, always uh, a lot of work to do out west, a lot of towns to cover and a lot of ministry uh, to do and be a part of, so we thank the Lord for that. Thank you for your support and the prayer for the ministry there and the family. We appreciate you guys uh, very much. Here in Luke 17, I know it's been a long day. I know it has been for me, I'm sure for you too, and so uh, I aim to be uh, just uh, quick and to the point tonight. Uh, I have three uh, three points, and uh, we'll go through this uh, this account here in Luke chapter 17. And uh, starting verse number 11, I'll go through, I guess, the story of it, a little bit of context. And then I have three points uh, by way of application for us uh, this evening as we read uh, through God's Word. And uh, give a little bit of context of what's happening here. Uh, there in verse number 11, "...it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee." Uh, for some time, for many months now, our Savior has been crisscrossing Israel. He's been performing miracles. He's been healing, casting out demons, showing compassion and sympathy to a lot of different people. And uh, he's also proclaiming uh, the full counsel of God in regard to uh, speaking firmly about judgment and hell and punishment. So a lot of ministry is taking place here as he goes across the land of Israel for the last few months. And, in fact, this particular journey here started back in chapter number 9, Uh Christ is actually on his way for the last time to Jerusalem. In chapter 9, and verse, uh, let's see here. Verse number 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. So now he's been on his way to Jerusalem for many months now. And it's not a direct route. He's crisscrossing, hitting different towns, different places. And we see here this particular uh, place that he's at. It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and we uh, uh, we heard tonight of uh, verses were read of this uh, very miraculous miracle that took place of the healing of ten lepers, and back in chapter five there was uh, one fellow that was healed and uh, of leprosy, and now we have ten times that happening here in this chapter number seventeen. Understand, leprosy is a very, very, uh, very uh, gruesome disease, and uh, leprosy would make the current virus that we're going through now look like a, a running nose. I mean, really, it was a very, very uh, awful, horrible disease to uh, come in contact with. And in fact, in the book and uh, back in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. There is a uh, two chapters dedicated to how the priests were to handle people that had leprosy, and there was a cleansing process they had to go through. It often lasted a minimum eight different eight days, could last longer. And so, this is a very very uh, serious disease. And again, Christ is going around. He's showing he's showing compassion. He's showing sympathy, and he's showing power. We come across here of Jesus going through this area of Samaria and Galilee. Again, he is healing all kinds of sicknesses. And uh, this particular story really is astounding and incredible healing from uh, many, many viewpoints. Again, just the fact that it was 10 lepers simultaneously being healed instantly. And we'll get a little more detail of that as we go along here tonight. A little bit of, again, a little background on leprosy and, and a little bit of a, I guess, a medical perspective of this. It's caused by a bacteria. It attacks the nerves and the skin and uh, it numbs the body and the limbs so that feeling is lost. And then the potential for a serious injury becomes very, very large. It starts uh, with a white or pink patch of skin, usually on the brow, the nose, the ear and the cheek and the chin. The patch then begins to spread in all directions. A portion of the eyebrows disappears. Spongy tumorous swellings grow and uh, all over the face and then begin to descend all over the body as the disease becomes systemic. It becomes also involved with the internal organs as well as the skin. Fingers and toes can be absorbed into the body, literally absorbing themselves into the body because of of the bacteria invading the bone marrow. Impairing blood supply, causing the bones to shrivel and the rest of the body to shrivel as well. With this loss of feeling in the body due to nerve disease, the victim destroys his own tissue because he has no feeling. The bacteria can destroy the eye, causing blindness, penetrates the teeth so they fall out, penetrates all the bodily organs and affects the larynx so that one winds up the weak and raspy voice. The skin loses its original color, becomes thick, glossy, and scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin, especially on the eyes and ears, begin to bunch up with uh, deep furrows between between the swelling so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of a lion. Fingers drop off or are, again, absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. Eyebrows and eyelashes drop out. By the touch of the finger, one can feel it and one can even smell it, for a leper emits a very unpleasant odor because of open sores, very, very awful, horrible disease. And the disease went from 10 to 30 years with victims usually dying from low resistance, other diseases, or infections. It can, very be, uh, it can be easily transmitted by inhalation or bodily contact or even contact with the clothing. So today we have a similar disease called Hansen's disease. You may have heard that. And back in 1982, it was, uh, this particular disease was almost eradicated throughout the world. There are still pockets of this Hansen's disease uh can be found in Africa. In a lot of different uh, third world countries across the world. So we still have it, but not as, as severe as it was back in Bible days. In fact, in chapter 4, it says here, uh, this one verse, chapter 4, verse 27, just to give an idea. It's a very rampant disease, it's very commonplace. 4, verse 27 And many lepers were in Israel in the time of, of Elias Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So many lepers, there are many, many lepers. There's a very, very uh, widespread disease taking place, especially in Bible time. A very horrible, awful disease. In fact, uh, a lot of times, whole uh, villages will be wiped out because of this. And, uh, of course, they practice, as we would know today, as social distancing. Uh, they would have lockdowns. They would uh, be separate from the crowds of people. And they would have to different protocols. They would have to yell, unclean, unclean, if anybody came next to them or their little pocket of uh, lepers and different things they had to follow in order to keep the public safe. So a very, very, very horrible disease. So here, verse 11, sometime during uh, Christ's circuit and his movement through Israel, in the final months he's preaching the gospel, uh, he came across this area. It's an unknown town. We don't have the name of the town, but he was passing through the midst of uh, Samaria and Galilee. Galilee. In verse number 12, he's entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Which stood afar off. Again, indicating that uh, they had to keep their distance from uh, the townspeople uh, there. And the Bible says here, and they lift up their voices. And again, uh, this leprosy, this disease would cause their voices to be crackled, to be uh, fragile, uh, very... uh, it's very weak, and so I can only imagine these ten, these 10 people, 10 fellows, lifting their voices up as best as they could to try, try to get a hold and try to get the attention of Jesus Christ. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, have mercy on us. This is their only hope. This was their only chance. They had no way out of their dilemma. There were no cures for this. There's no solutions. There's no vaccine for this. There's nothing going on. No medicine. There's no pharmacist. No chemist. No pharmacies. There are no cures. And their faith may be meager, but they are desperate men. What other option do they have? And uh, tonight, I'd like to speak on this topic of uh, growing faith, of growing faith. And these people here, these men, these ten lepers, have a meager face, uh, faith. And this phrase they use, have mercy on us, is a phrase that recognizes that one is in a pitiful condition, that one is unable to solve a problem, that one is in a dilemma about which he can do nothing and must depend upon a superior power. They recognize this. That's why they ask for mercy. Have mercy, as in fact, was a very common expression. We read that a lot in the Gospels. It expresses a recognition of superior power in one who at the same time is approachable. Not just a recognition of power, but to cry, have mercy assumes that someone before has indicated to you that this man listens to people who cry for mercy. So his power and his compassion are widely known. They're aware of it, aware enough of it to cry out to him for healing. And here's the first point this evening. Let me challenge you with this. We think about leprosy. We think about an awful disease it is. And uh, we think about sometimes our own life. And what do you do when you feel like things are falling apart and falling off around you? Your peace, your joy, your strength, your relationships are falling apart. You seem like you're losing fingers, you're losing toes, you're losing parts of your life. The strength is gone. You're feeling sick, you're feeling ill. What do you do? What do you do? Number one is this tonight, we need to open my mouth and cry out to God. Open your mouth and cry out to God. That's what we need to do. Understand the lepers here have initially seen him. They make a request that is based in an expectation of faith that something would take place if they could get the attention of Jesus. Tonight, are you seeing with believing eyes? I need to have an expression that God can do something. He can do something. I think sometimes we get a little bit jealous when everyone else is getting blessed and we're losing out. You know, we're feeling like we've been forgotten. You ever feel like an outcast or feel like you've been forgotten? A bit isolated? A bit, Lord, where are you? What's happening? You forgot? It? Have you forgotten about me? And Jesus, our Savior, is not even noticing. He's passing right on by. He's passing right on by. These lepers decided that they were not going to stay in a passive state. They took a risk and did a desperate thing. In fact, they broke protocol. They broke protocol. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They broke this. They were in a desperate place. And they understood the fact and the truth about our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Titus Chapter 3, verse number 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Great verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4. But God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad tonight we serve a God who is rich in mercy? I certainly am. The Apostle Paul understood that. We need mercy. Mercy is uh, not receiving what you deserve. I tell you what, uh, you know, we deserve a lot of things. But God in His mercy has withheld those things. He's holding those things back. Our God's rich in mercy. Enough is enough. Cry out to God. Understand that people can't help the way God can. You know what? Uh, men, uh, women, people, you know, we can only help so much. We have to cry out to God. Open your mouth and cry out to him. Understand that no one can hear like God can hear. In Psalm 139, verse number 2, it says this, Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Isn't that great? You know, we, uh, we have friends, we have acquaintances, we have mates, we have all that. We, we think we know people, but not like God knows you. God knows your heart. He knows your deepest need. He knows when things are falling apart. He knows when your life's a mess, and he cares. He wants to bestow mercy on you, but you have to make the first step. Open your mouth and cry out to God. These guys, if, if, they, didn't, if they didn't get a little bit aggressive and get into it and start yelling and screaming and lift up their voice and try to get a hold of Jesus Christ, he's going to walk right on by. So open your mouth and cry out to God. Verse number 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. The second point is this. second point is obey the commands of God. Very simple. All right, very straightforward. Obey the commands of God. Interesting here. And uh, when they heard Jesus say this, they didn't argue. They didn't uh, ask for details. They simply obeyed what Jesus said. Uh, to know for them to actually turn around and go to the priest understand the priest was the uh, uh, health advisor if you would say all right he was the fellow that uh, could declare somebody clean but he couldn't make him clean so they were already they were had to take the first step in faith to turn around and go to the person go to the priest and by faith that they're going to be cleansed All right, to say, go, and Christ, he did not even address the fact they had leprosy. He said simply, go, show yourselves unto the priest. They had a choice to make at that time. Were they going to sit back and and want some details? And, okay, what do you mean by that? Or uh, was it going to be, you know, some, uh, a long discourse between uh, Jesus and and, and, uh, the lepers? And there's nothing of that nature whatsoever. They simply said, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. So simply put, we need to obey the commands of God. I believe Christ did this for a couple of reasons. He's testing your faith. He's testing their faith. He's also affirming the viability of divine law. He, Christ, of course, knew what it says back in the book of Leviticus. He knew you understood that. So go show yourselves to the priests. It's exactly what he told the leper, the lepers here in these verses. Again, it's a long, it was a rather long and involved protocol you went through. There were the health inspectors. And uh they're the ones who could de- declare you to be clean. It's a pretty big assumption. you wouldn't want to go anywhere near the priests if you still had leprosy. You'd be going to the wrong people, You'd be going to the health inspectors with your disease. But as we in our own Christian life understand about faith and, and all our, I believe uh, if you're a Christian tonight and on your way to heaven and you have Christ as your Savior, we want to grow in faith because understand that uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. And uh, it's always about becoming like Jesus, becoming like him and growing in him and growing in our faith. These lepers, they had faith. They had a very minimal faith. And one of the things that really uh, stuns me as I read this uh, uh, this account here, this story and, and other miracles took place in the Gospels is the fact uh, the understatement of it you know, you would think that Jesus would use, you know, maybe thunder, lightning, some uh, exciting type of uh, atmosphere to, you know, heal these, uh, heal these lepers. You know, he simply said a very quiet command, and he simply said, just go, just go. And, uh, you know, it's what happens, I believe, and I, I mess things up, you mess things up. You know, God's word is simple, but we mess it up. We want, to, we want to sit back and just simply, you know, ask for details. And we want, don't want to believe till we understand it first. I don't see that here. I simply see the disciples turning. I'm uh, sorry, the lepers turning. And as they went, they were cleansed. They simply obeyed. They simply obeyed. All they had to do was simply take the words of God and respond to it. He said one statement, one statement. And they listened. It didn't make sense. They could have thought, this doesn't make sense. You only show yourself to the priest when you are healed. The priest couldn't heal. He can only declare that you are healed. But When God gives a command, you just do it. Simply do it. Faith doesn't demand details. Just simply do it. I think Nike got it pretty good. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. I love this verse here in Philippians chapter four, verse number nine, and this is Paul. He says, "Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, you know, the next word is do. do. Just do it. But we 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 get it all messed up. We we, we try to you know well, I don't want to do it. It doesn't make sense. Uh, what happens? I do this. Just 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 stop with all the excuses and just simply do it. Just do it." And I thought about having Becky make me a shirt, and uh, you know, just a Nike shirt, just do it, and on the back, just did it, done. (laughs) You know, I don't know. (laughs) But sometimes in life, we just got to do it, we just got to simply do it. Just just take God at His word. You say it's risky. Well, that's what faith is. But, um, you know, let let me tell you, it's worth it. And in life, we take a lot of risk. Take a whole heap of risk. And uh, when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and what he tells us to do, we just got to do it. Just simply do it. The lepers are coming to God for help. They're going from God and help is following them. Reminds me of a verse in Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's what we want, folks. We want goodness and God's mercy to follow us all the days of our life. When you simply obey God, help is on the way. He doesn't send help until I've turned and obeyed. And last point tonight, Do we read on here, verse, uh, verse number fourteen, verse number fifteen. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Last thing this evening is this: we need to orientate your course back to God. Orientate your course back to God, and here, here's the whole. Here is probably, it's probably I don't want to say the most important point, but a very, a very important point. And this, I've been covering this particular issue with the church in I, church in Morgan for the last several months, and we're going through the Gospel of John chapter six, and going through this, and this has a bit of a relation to that type of thought. And we see here one fella, one fella that um, is actually growing in his faith. And he, uh, he turns back, he, he, he turns back, and uh, he kind of paused momentarily, and he put his excitement on pause and turned back, and with a loud voice, glorified God. And I can imagine his voice would be a bit, a bit louder now because his, his body's healed. Uh, that meant that he could join his family once again. That meant life could go on. Uh, he could uh, hold a job, a profession once again, and it meant just a physical. meant more than just a physical healing. It, it, it was his whole life was back. And so, amidst all this jubilation, the other nine kept going on, going and, and following the command of God and going to the priest. This so one fellow turned around, and uh, he he knew uh, that this man named Jesus was there more for the, than his physical healing. It was something else that uh, he, he needed to receive. And as uh, one leper grew silent and drifted past the moment, uh, moment of his joy, for him, something was missing. It was, something was incomplete. He turned back to the high priest and lifted up his voice again in a tone of glory to the Lord, and he decided to return to the sender. We grow in faith when we look beyond the temporal blessing to realize that this blessing was intended to help me look to the blesser. Growing in faith sees the giver, not the gift. This is the whole point. All right, so understand this one leper, he understood, yes, I received healing. I had faith enough to obey the commands of God, but I orientated myself back to the one, back to the sender, because it's all about him. It's all about Him. It's not necessarily the things that God gives us. It's about the person who gives them to you. It's about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him, not about the the blessing. It's about the blesser. It's not about the gift. It's about it's about the giver. And as we see this and taking place, even in John chapter six again, it's a whole nother sermon. I thought about maybe bringing that in, into light this evening, but it's been a uh, six-week uh, type of. A sermon that wouldn't go well tonight, so it'd be too, <laughs> be too long. And so, but the whole idea of John chapter 6 is dealing with uh, defectors of the faith and people leaving and those who uh, have uh, seemingly followed Jesus as a disciple for one, one, uh, one time or another, and they turn back and follow him no more. And the whole premise of that chapter is uh, in connection with this in regard to the fact that, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we in life, we, uh, we serve God because of what he does for us. And we ask him for things like the, the uh, people did at the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. They, they were hungry. They were fed. They kept following Jesus. And they wanted more food. They wanted to be fed continuously. But that's not why. That's not the gospel. That's not why Jesus came. He does do that. But it's about him. It's about relationship with him. It's about looking back and and, uh, following him. This man, he stopped in his tracks, spun around and came back full of joy, full of amazement, full of wonder. But he saw more than that. He saw a lot more than that. He understood the real implications of what had just happened. He had been in the presence of God and he wanted more than physical healing. He wanted more than that. His heart was longing for a relationship with the divine healer. He wanted to walk with Jesus, he knew enough about the Old Testament to know that God was not just a healer, but also a redeemer, and primarily a redeemer and savior. He's not content just with the physical. He understands the reality of his alienation and need for reconciliation to God. And we see he does three things here. He does three things. Number one, he uh, glorifies God with a loud voice. Again, perhaps a voice that now is able to do it at a level that he had not been able to do before. No more raspy, squeaky, leprosy-affected voice box. He can now cry out to his Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, he, he said he, uh, there, when he saw they he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Secondly, he fell on his face and worshiped. He fell down on his face at his feet and thirdly, gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. His posture is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want everything you have to give. He knew that he was in the presence of God. He knew that. And he wanted more. It was more than just what God can do for him. And folks, in a Christian life, it has to be more than what God can do for you. He will do things for you. But what happens when he decides not to do those things for you? Are you still going to serve him? Still going to follow him? Still going to love him? Give you a a quick kind of funny illustration to close us up. And uh, back when our kids were younger, Jimmy was he's about uh, three years old. And uh, Lydia was not quite a year old. And uh, Christmas time comes around every year. And everybody has their own little, I guess, uh, uh, things that they do as a family. And uh, one thing that we do every Christmas morning, wake up and read some scripture and uh, we pray together and then we open the gifts. And so uh, one of the, either myself or Becky, will distribute the gifts to the kids and you know, one by one we you know, say this is, from, this is from mom, this is from dad, this is you know, from Jimmy, from Lydia and all that stuff. So we're, one, this is going to go back 2006, going back many, many years ago now, 15 years ago. And uh, by the way, we watched this recently a few months ago. Sometimes we pull out old videos we watch as a family and just kind of laugh and, and giggle and see how much we changed and you know, all the sl- things we did when we were, when we were younger. And uh, it's a good time, and uh, so we saw this recently a few months ago. This one again back two thousand six. Jimmy was three, and Lydia was uh, less than a year. So we're passing out gifts. It's one Christmas morning, and uh, we we'll gave him gifts to uh, everybody in the family. And and this one gift was pretty big, pretty good size. And Jimmy has eye on it, and we gave it to him. It was his gift, in fact, and had his name on it. It says to Jimmy from Lydia. And so uh, we gave him the gift there, and he's taking this thing. He's looking at it. He's he's it's pretty pretty size of this. Up here, pretty good size and pretty thick, and he's looking at that gift. He's gonna run his hands over it. And we of course had a video on the tripod, just watching all this and recording all this. He's running his hands, he's trying to shift it around, trying to pick it up, shake it, trying to feel all this and trying to figure out what it is. And his big grin comes across his face, and he's feeling he says, he's shaking his head, he says, I love Lydia. And uh, you try to get him to say that today, that'll never happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and that's what we expect the kids to do, you know. I mean, he loves his sister. Why? Because, you know, he, Christmas present, matter what it was inside. It, it, was, it was, he was huge. It was good. It had pretty wrapping on there. And, uh, you know, sometimes in life we're like that, aren't we? we? We get something from the Lord, and we forget the giver. We forget the person who gave it to us. And all tonight, it's about Jesus Christ it's about him and all through the gospels you'll, you'll, you'll see that uh, people who they were interested in him they were interested in what he could do for them and it's a whole other sermon there but uh, that's the point of, of one of the points here tonight we need to simply uh, you know obey God command simply obey what he says orientate yourself back to him because it is all about Jesus Christ it's all about him Shall we pray tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Lord for this evening. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the story that you included in in the gospels. And Father, we're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of looking to you and wanting things, Lord. And and uh, but, Lord, help us help our faith to grow. As even the disciples in the gospels we read, Lord, uh, Lord, increase our faith. And, Lord, we need that tonight. We need to trust in you more each and every day. And, Lord, help us not to ask questions and and, uh, and doubts, Lord, and ask for details, Lord. How to simply, if you give us a command, to simply do it. And, Father, we just pray you help us as we uh, look towards you uh, more and more each day. Lord, we thank you for these folks tonight. Pray bless them, um, uh, meet their needs throughout the week, Lord, protect them. And uh, bring us back safely on Wednesday night. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.